Welcome to In The Zone with your host, Jeremy and Jose. Um, I'll let you guys in, the people listening. I I, <laughs> I had a mental block. <laughs> and good thing we're not live, Jose. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you like, forgot the name of the show. Let well, I was trying that. to be smooth. I was like trying to like... <laughs> Make it like a natural, like, like, you know, we're already in convo, like, you know, welcome, welcome, thanks for joining us. But then I was like, it doesn't sound right. So I'm like, <laughs> screw it. But welcome to End the Zone with your host, Jeremy and Jose. Jose, how are you, man? Good, good, brother. How you doing, man? I can't complain. I can't complain. I'm, I'm, I'm doing all right. Doing all right. Uh, it's awesome. It's awesome. I know you're a little nervous about this show, I guess, huh? I am not. I'm actually. I'm. I am. I am beyond pumped. I'm beyond pumped. I'm always. You know. Always love. I don't know what it is. I could be dead tired. I could be out of it. But once like it's go time for 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 a podcast, I'm like I just kind of wake up. So. Yeah, I know. I know you've been talking about this one. You know, since we started, and I, I know you've mentioned that during our previous shows about some of these topics like that I've been very excited about and very interested, you know, to do a show on. Uh, But this was one from the, right from like the early days of the podcast, kind of when we brought, you know, when we kind of jotted down some ideas and what we wanted to do, this was one, this was one that came out of your, you know, this is something that you wanted to do right from the beginning. So I'll I'll let you take over from here. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I remember, hearing about this for so long from ESPN, you know, talking about, do- and I had seen documentaries on OJ in the past and OJ, the, the, the trial, everything always was a captivating topic, but I'm like, well, what are they going to do? I'm like, we didn't see stuff on the trial already. And I never forget. It was, I can tell you, honestly, it was April, 2016. Uh, I'm in New Jersey like Voorhees, New Jersey, at the hospital because my niece was born that Wednesday the 27th, so it's the Friday, and she's in the NICU, and I'm kind of just, like, talking with my brother and, you know, trying to, like, I'll be honest, just, like, you you know, was dead tired, you know, trying to comfort him, and I was like, there's some downtime, and I saw, like, new trailer for OJ Made in America, and I'm like, well, let me see it. And, man, one of the best trailers I ever saw you know, they had the remake to like Nina Simone's Sinner Man, but yeah. it was just deep and pa- I remember showing my dad, my brother, and we get into a conversation about OJ, which is just a, for everywhere I go, you just meant it's, it's rare, Jose, that if you say OJ, it's just a lightning rod. 25 yeah. years later, it's just everybody's got an opinion. Everyone can talk about it. Like it doesn't get, it's not like, ah, isn't that kind of played out? It's like, boom, everyone's going. And, it's something that we talk about in sports with athletes, but TV shows, movies, where things get so much hype, you're like, can it live up to it? And this is one of the rare things, to me, even more than The Last Dance, this lived up to the hype, and it, it just exceeded it. I, I, I was blown away, and it's all I could think about, listen, you know, break down, read articles. It was phenomenal, so... um I just love talking about this because I think there's so many layers to it. And when we brought it, you know, talked about topics back in January of this year for the podcast, it was, 
I just thought it was a great documentary. It's it's the best thing maybe ESPN has ever done, but definitely to me in the past 10 years, 20 years, the best thing that they've done was OJ Made America. It won an Oscar, um, turned a lot of careers there at ESPN, like shot them through the roof, and I just wanted to talk about it. But then after our George Floyd episode and what's been going on in the country, I felt like, man, it's it's, it's a real relevant time to kind of, you know, dive into it. Yeah, and I, I agree. Like, when this came out, I, I was kind of I, – I was on the same, like, thought process. Like, you know, I was like, man, I've seen a bunch of stuff on OJ and, and, and all – everything that happened. You know, I, I've seen a lot of stuff. You know, I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one. But, you know, it's, it's it was like, what can they do that, could, that can be better? You know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and, and like you said, it – they it lived up to expectations. They exceeded expectations, and this was. And I'm glad you mentioned it. It did win the Academy Award for best documentary, and this was one. This is one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. You know, and, yeah. And it, even each episode is just done so well, and and the ones we're going to cover today are the first two episodes, which I'm kind of glad you mentioned as well. Like everything with George Floyd, and you know our show with that, and and everything that's kind of going on in in the country now, and it's like. I'm gonna be honest, man. Why rewatching these first two episodes? It kind of brought a lot of that back. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. a lot of that, that, that anger and all that with me. And um, so uh, I'm, I'm very interested in having this conversation as well. Yeah. Um, I'll be honest. Like, it, the stuff with you know everything that's happened post George Floyd. It hasn't really gone. I, I still think. Every day since that Memorial Day, someone's tried to have a conversation about, like, all this stuff with me. So, like, it has not died down. And I guess in some ways, outside of that, that's good. Personally, it's rough because it's people now just like, this is on my mind. And I, I want to talk to you about it. Like, <laughs> yeah. like I, I didn't know this was so bad. Like, and it's just infuriating. But what what really got me was um, I have I had friends who do we always do talk about this and we're like well what's good you know you saw everywhere especially the past few weeks different books you can read and documentaries you can watch and Jose because I've rewatched these so many times over the past four years that I've been on like a little like Made in America break before we agreed to do this and people asked me. And I wanted to say this, but then I was like, well, does this focus? Because people were looking for things on policing, you know, black, you know, black and Hispanic people in the police department. And I was like, I don't know if it's if this is enough to like do that or to recommend it. I know it talked about it, but then rewatching these first two episodes, I was like, man, this is big time. This, This should be in everyone's like list of like things to watch to talk about this topic of police brutality and institution, you know, the, the systematic racism, everyone should be saying OJ made in America. Cause it, it was, it was just boom, right in your face from jump. Yeah. It was, it was deep, man. And, and again, like, you know, my anger and frustration with everything that's going on, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm, what I'm trying to say is I'm not as angry as I was. Right. And, and, you know, I'm trying to, understand everything and now I'm on the, like the mindset of kind of just like thinking like what can I do what can I change etc right and 
But man, <laughs> you just said it. Like watching these first two episodes, man, I was just like, this this has been going on for so so long. You know what I mean? Like this, yeah. like when is this going to stop? And and in my mind, it's never going to stop. Like it's just mm-hmm. this is this is life. Like this is the life I know. You know what I mean? Like I'm I'm sure it's the the life a lot of people, a lot of listeners. You know yourself. Like like this is what I know, and this is what I have grown accustomed to, and it, it's just. It, I was angry and then I was just like I almost felt like defeated almost. You know what I mean? Like on a personal level. Like I was just like, man, like no matter what I do, no matter what happens, like it's just always is gonna be this way. You know what I'm saying? And then I had to kinda of like, you know, collect my thoughts and, and and know that what's going on now hopefully can change some of this stuff, man. Cause this is and we'll get into it, man, but like what's going on now back in ninety two was the same reaction. You know, but I I feel like now it's a little different. You know, and and it, it, these first two episodes were so good, like so good. Yeah, I, I I can rewatch them again right now if I if I had the time. Absolutely. But I'll be but, honest, um, because we're doing one and two, and one is the I I I've, I've rewatched because it's a five part you know uh docu series. Two through five, I've rewatched a million times. One. I'd probably say I watched it twice. I watched it when it first aired, and then I've rewatched it like one other time. But my memory of one before uh, yesterday, well, technically it was Sunday, I started rewatching this. Like before Sunday, rewatching part one was this is really a good backstory on OJ growing up and his playing career, which it does do a good job of that. Yeah. But the police brutality and the racial you know really explaining the the great migration that people have from that with blacks have from down south then going to california for that haven and you know uh the one civil rights activist danny black blakewell saying you know i came up here wow money for a one-way ticket from louisiana (laughs) to california and he's like if i could i would have went back because it wasn't any different it was it was the same kind of racism i wasn't wanted and he you know he's like and I'm like, yeah, that, and that's the thing. A lot of times I still constantly, because my mother's from South Carolina and both sides of my family, their roots are in South Carolina. So most of my family is down South based. Like I'm one of the few who's not living down South and never did live down South on both sides of the family. And that's a conversation I've had with many people that we think racism historically and even currently is just down south and it's like no it's everywhere in this country it's all oh, 50 yeah. states it's and it's it's maybe it shows itself in a different way but that harshness the reality the in your face of racism is everywhere and this shows it you know people and i thought episode one did a great job like you know usc is right smack dab in la and that's a haven but outside of that, it, it's it's a lot of just, um, just really just putting down and disenfranchised people and a lot of injustice. Yeah, and, and with LA, it's it's so it's like so crazy to think about. Like, you know, in, in I think it was episode two. It, it was a quote was saying like, you know, eighty percent of the people that live in Los Angeles do not have that vision of like police brutality, like with the LAPD and stuff like that. And it's just like, because 
you have like South Central, you have like East Los Angeles, where it's a lot of Hispanics and and African Americans, and yeah, you know, just all through LA, obviously. And but then you also have like Beverly Hills and like all 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 those areas where it's just like it's it's two different worlds, yeah. right? And 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 they did a great job like portraying that and 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 showing the different relationships the LAPD had with people from the inner city and then people from not the inner city I guess yeah you know, for and, lack of a better term yeah I think you're right it really gave you know because you can look at it it gave a history of the 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 biases of the justice system the police brutality the racism in Los Angeles but I'm Jose, I'm watching that and I'm like, you know, you see uh police chief Daryl Gates, who I've heard about for a long time and how bad yeah. he was in LA. You can go to Philadelphia and flip it, and then you got Frank Rizzo, you have the riots in the late sixties, you have what the beef with the move movement, the bombing in the mid eight, you know, the, the story, yeah. you know, what happened with Mumia Abdul Jamal and that awful mistrial. You know, that's every city. We can go to New York and give the same thing, Chicago, boom, all over. Like, so that's why I want to tell people, like, this is a great thing, like, to show, like, this is every city, everywhere. You know, when, when Michael Brown happened and then you heard, like, oh, man, the stories from East St. Louis and Ferguson, like, been happening for you. And I don't really know much about St. Louis. Yeah. Besides, like, the Arch and the Rams were there, like, <laughs> and the Blues. <laughs> but, like, and Nelly. <laughs> but, yeah. like, <laughs> but, like, boom, I'm like, man, I didn't know – St. Louis and Fer- I, I wasn't surprised, but I was like, I didn't know there's that big of a history with it there. Like you could fill in the blank. That's what I got from, especially watching that first episode, you got Daryl Gates and the LAPD and all this history. And I'm like, that's every city, every place in this country. Yeah. And even when in the early sixties, you know, with Bill Parker, he was just as bad as mm-hmm. Daryl Gates. You know what I mean? Like they, it, Man, like it, it broke my heart, man, watching this because, and you were talking about the Great Migration, and it was just like imagine traveling from the South and thinking, man, I'm gonna go to this other part of the world where there's, you know, employment, like, you know, this city is growing big time, and you know, you get there thinking everything's gonna be different, and it's, if anything, is almost just as, it, it almost worse, you know what I mean? And yeah, and to have to live through that and. It's it's crazy, man. It's just it's just a shame, and like I, they it, it just painted such a vivid picture, like for me, man. Like it, I felt like I was there, like honestly, it, it was just it was just so well done. It really is, um, and it does it gets you that heartbreak and that frustration with the city and that time, but then it does a, the contrast of especially you know looking at episode one of. You know, this is what OJ is coming up in, you know, especially when he gets to USC and USC is a huge deal in college football. It's a huge deal in the state of California, especially, you know, now there's football teams in L.A. and there's been there sporadically. But really, the main stable for football in Los Angeles is the USC Trojans. Yeah. And that's a big deal. It's a big market, a lot of money you know like with their alumni and famous people so oj you know this phenom from san francisco is you know growing up comes to sc 
And it's just interesting that all this is really happening. You know, all these, these tensions that you have the Watts riot in 65, then you have, you know, Muhammad Ali not taking the step for Vietnam and all these black athletes, prominent black athletes, including a young Luau Sindor, yeah. later Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He was in college at UCLA, the crosstown rival. He stood by Ali, but OJ takes a different approach, and, 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 and he just wants to be OJ. Yeah, and there's some of the like greatest quotes that come for me come out in this first episode when they talked about what OJ like he was talking about like in any interview and they were interviewed they interviewed excuse me um some of his like childhood friends that he grew up with and went to college with and you know they were talking about you know he didn't want the money he wanted fame and it was always about fame and OJ wanted fame and you know it and I I don't know like that one of the most powerful pictures that I, I've ever seen and, and that I, you know, I have saved and stuff is, is that picture of the meeting when Jim Brown, Muhammad Ali, Muhammad Ali, um, well, Luau Cinder, Bill Russell, mm-hmm. like all these, all these big time players, not just like some really good players. They were like top of their, like their leagues, you know, all these players, man, got together to support Ali. And I, I got, I wrote this down. I, I got her. I gotta repeat it. Uh, so just just give me a second. Sure. This is from like from Jim Brown. It was like I, I literally had to rewind it like five six times. Like I just had to hear it over and over and over again. And he was talking about why they were there, right? Why they were supporting Ali, and you know why they had this beating. And he was it was and the soundtrack to this documentary is amazing. It's phenomenal. It's so and, right. Um, so right. Had, and then they kicked in the jazz, and, and and he was just saying he was like you know, I got the quote right here. Yeah, when he was talking about, he said, every man in that room was a soldier, right? Every man in that room, for nothing more than his beliefs and backing another brother up, felt that he should, that he had to be there and to hell with the consequences. I was like, damn, man, like, how powerful is that, man? Like, it doesn't get any more powerful than that statement right there. And that's just what they stood for. And then this guy, he wanted no parts of that. No. And I'll be honest, that's a feeling I've told, I I, could have went on 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 the George Floyd episode, but to people I've talked to, I've given examples of it happening to me. The the racism, obviously, on a regular basis, but the the police, you know, harassment, you know, happening, and that's the difference that I'll be honest, white America doesn't have. Where there's been many times, Jose, in my life, where it's been a coworker or just some whoever I know who has a person. I'm not a fan of like, they're not my friend, but it's another brother. It's another black man. And when I see that, and they could be referencing or talking about him in a derogatory way or mm-hmm. racist way, it doesn't matter. You did it to me. You know what I mean? You said it about this, you know, person a, you didn't say it directly to me, but you did. And yeah. it's that, it's that. Yeah. I'm, I'm in this, this is a, it's a war. I'm a soldier in this, War for equality, this war for, you know, humanity. And that's, to me, what Jim Brown's saying. You know, because I know Jim Brown had a relationship with Ali at that time. Kareem, but, like, you see Willie Davis in that picture. Bobby Mitchell. I don't know if they knew Ali that well or, you know, just maybe have met him, you know, whatever. But it didn't matter. They were in that battle. And and absolutely, like, that's a great quote. Yeah, and it, it was just, it, I mean, the word soldier, 
I remember, you know, when I was growing up in the late nineties, early two thousands, that was like a, you know, a lot of guys use that term. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, like it, it, yes, they, they were talking about being a soldier. Like, not don't mean at war. I just mean like maybe on the streets or whatever it was, wherever you were. But it was more of like, like being a man, like, you know what I mean? And standing for what you believed in. And like, I, I heard him say that, man. And I was just like, man, like that, yeah. that was, that was deep, man. That was deep. And, and I'm going to play the other side of the coin real quick. So, cause I was thinking about this too, like, you know, cause now you got a guy like OJ Simpson, like you said, USC, big time, big time program has been a big time program forever, you know, and you know, he's going to be, he's becoming a star. So he's protecting, and you hear it now. Like, and, and what he was doing back then, it was just reminding me of what a lot of guys do today. And, you know, we always talk about with the show, we always try to connect and build bridges from the past to the present. And I was trying to do that watching this. And he, it was almost like like I was watching an athlete today. It, it, was, it was crazy. And how he was already in college worrying about his brand and, you know, moving forward to the NFL, like what he was going to do, how he wanted to be portrayed and, and you get that quote, like, I'm not black, I'm just OJ, you mm-hmm. know, and, and like the mindset, like, I, I, I was trying to understand that mindset, like, all right, like, he's not trying to get involved in that, so that way he can make his money, pretty much, like, that's, to me, that's protecting the brand, like, I, I you're trying to make that money, man, and, and like, I, and coming from where he came from, you know, we'll get into that, you know, in San Francisco, those San Francisco projects, like, I, I, I almost understand, like, all right, like, you have to get out of those projects, like, you gotta get out of there, you gotta, Whatever you have to do, you have to get better and, and achieve whatever you have to achieve and make whatever amount of money you have to make. But I, I, I don't know, man. Like, like I, if I was an, uh, uh, like an athlete of his caliber at that time, like, I don't know how I couldn't, like, want to join these guys. Like, you know what I mean? Well, and support these guys. And that's where it's the difference. And that's why I say it. And I'll be honest, I'm, I never will disrespect those who are really in the military and are at war. Yeah. But it is war. Mm-hmm. I, I won't take that away, and I, I'm, if that offends some people, I'm sorry. But uh, hashtag I'm not sorry because that's the that is that that's the battle that is has as we've seen from this documentary. We've seen people are now seeing it's from the beginning of this country. It's been an ongoing, you know. It's the same. That's something I know. That's a battle that I can look up. You know, my ancestors, my cousins, strangers. We're all fighting that battle every day. So it is that battle, and it is we are soldiers going to that war for respect and equality, and that's where do I understand OJ being nervous and hesitant? You know, to play devil's advocate, yes, but that's where the problem is. Is to me uh, having to understand that I know, hey, you. Yeah, I, I gave the example of like seeing it. It's happened to me, of course, being called nigger, being called you know whatever, but. If someone calls, they're talking about someone else who's black. They're not directly talking about me. I know if you're talking about him that way or her that way, you're going to talk about me that way. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, and you get, and I, I've gotten it too. Like, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I, I can remember I was talking to this one guy, and he was like, you know, you know, where I live, you know, is it, those, those real ignorant Puerto Ricans, not like you, Jose, not like you. You're not one of them. I'm talking about the real ignorant ones. And I'm just sitting there, like, just looking at this guy, like, dude, it, like you said, like, you were just talking about, like, dude, it doesn't fucking matter, like, if I'm different or not. Like, when I walk away from this conversation, 
like God knows what you say about me. Mm-hmm. And, and and I always little when people talk like that, I always that always goes in the memory bank. Like okay, like I I know exactly where this person is at, and now I know. Like it's almost like I'm almost grateful they kind of do that, so I can so I know who I'm dealing with. Yeah, exactly. And and then that's where I look at OJ. That scene, like hey for being who he wanted to be, not who white America wanted him to be. This is what Ali's going through and they'll do it to you. Oh yeah. And then what's crazy is it comes back full circle, Mm -hmm. you know, later on in his life where he has to change from this corporate, you know, I I won't call him uncle Tom, but you know, whatever, like, you know what I mean? That's what he was. Yeah, type of African American. So now he had to revert and rely upon himself being African American and using that when he was in trouble. You well, know what I mean, it, I um, I, sorry, to, I just wanted to say no, because um, there's so much to unpack, and I know, will you know, people listening, they'll probably. That's what I love about this topic. What I love about this docu series is that you can really hit on so many things. I remember. Um, getting this as a gift for a really close friend of mine, Robin. And we always talk about these issues. And, and she said like the most heartbreaking thing for her was the opening scene when he's in jail and he's in front of the review board and just to connect it because you look at it then now he's in jail for something that had nothing to do with that 94 murder. Right. And yep. so they're saying, well, what have you been doing here while you've been in jail? And he's talking about he was a porter, then he coached teams and, and all those things. And then the lady's like, so uh, your first arrest is you were 46. And you hear him go, what's that have to do with – he's like, we're talking about that? Yeah, we're talking about that here, yeah. yeah. Uh, she was like, I'm just – how old were you when you were first arrested? He's like, uh, 46. And then the, the, you said that music just drops that. His, his whole you know. demeanor changed when it she did. asked that question. It did. He was he, he was OJ, you know, putting on that show. Tom Otten playing the game. We won a couple championships. Like you know, like he was a hustler, man. You know what I mean? He like was. he was he was a he was born in, he was a hustler. And the more you watch this, the more you see that come out. And and to me, it's also showing. You see, they're bringing up that they couldn't, and you see it. They weren't letting that go. They no. were focusing on what happened here. They because he not you know not guilty, so it wasn't like he was convicted of that crime and had to do time or was in jail with that crime and then another crime. He's not guilty, so why are you bringing that up? And you're right, OJ. We'll and we'll get into it. Um, was a hustler, knew how to put on the charm. I think as far as people skills and emotional intelligence. People are right. He he was a genius, and yeah. he was a genius when it came to that. And you see, it, it, that goes full circle. That they will do that to you too, just like you <laughs> said with your story. I've said, oh no, you're you're not you're not like that. I'm not black. I'm OJ. No. While you are a let's be real, making money for these people, mm-hmm. and B. People are comfortable. You're okay, but as soon as anything, if you can do that for your lifetime, which is impossible, yeah. you're 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 not that anymore. You're not. Yeah. you're not that anymore. And I was. And it's funny because 
uh, you know, my guy, uh, I still haven't watched that little clip that you sent me. I will after the show, though, because it just reminded me of it. Dr. Harry Edwards, he even said it like, because he's in this, he's all over the first two episodes. And even he said it, he was like, I can't imagine living my life the way he did to be like, I, I'm, I'm not quoting him directly, but to be like, to live a fake life like the way he did for mm-hmm. so long. You know what I mean? Like for so long. It's, 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 it's really insane to think about. So OJ was interviewed in the, in this first episode. And when they were talking about like, what well, you know, the meeting with Jim Brown, Ali and all those guys. And it, it was, uh, it was something else. He said that it just, it blew my mind. You know what I mean? Like, cause being a, a super talented and, and popular African-American at, you know, athlete at that point in time, knowing, seeing what these guys are doing, and he goes, I don't, I, I'm not enlightened on that situation. I'm not sure what they're trying to do. Like, how can you not know what they're doing? I mean, come on, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's just like he wanted no parts of that. He was already grooming America to, to again, to that OJ brand. And I'll be honest, I don't know how you feel, Jose, but rewatching that and rewatching this, OJ was very enlightened to me on what was going on. Yeah, he just made a choice, but I don't think to me when you're not enlightened, I don't think OJ didn't know what was happening. Because oh, I know he didn't. I see. I think he knew because yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. I yeah, know that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you saw like in these these early episodes, his mother had him raised in in, in, yeah. in they said in the church, but it was a black church, mm-hmm. and talked about these things like. He was raised knowing that. And you see the guys who he was around, you know, as we later see, he didn't really have a lot of black friends when he became famous. But growing up, you see Al Callens, AC, who I know in the future episodes will definitely be prominent. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know who it is. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you have AC, you see Joe Bell, who really is low. Key, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of like MVPs in this like documentary, but Joe Bell – yeah, that that raspy voice, you know, is just really, really clutch too. Was yeah. a childhood friend, and they knew the experiences. They knew they lived in public housing, and and he knew that. He to me, you know, I was telling my brother this, and he was like, "Yeah, I got to agree." Like, if, honestly, because it's a conversation we have a lot, you know, in my family, uh, but definitely my brother and I, you know, OJ Simpson. There's no Michael Strahan to me without OJ Simpson. Oh, without a doubt, he he paid a lot of paths like, yeah. for these guys, and again, but he was really like ahead of his time. But he, I don't want to call him a pioneer for that, but in, in a know, way, he, he was. He yeah, was because he he was you know as soon as he came, as soon as he was drafted, he was getting endorsements, and you know, and not only because it like this this situation, this whole OJ situation, everything that happened with him, it, I knew who OJ Simpson was, but I can't imagine. Like the older generation, like mm-hmm. the generation that came, like maybe one or two generations that came before me, where you know they seen this guy come out of college and everybody loved OJ and you know he goes to Buffalo and then he blows up in Buffalo and you know he's in these all these Hearst commercials and all that, you know like you hear it on and on in this first two episodes or the first episode at least everybody loved him you know and. Like to then later on see what happened and what he turned out to be, it's just <clears throat> like I, I, like for me again, it hits. Like I'm like, wow, this is freaking OJ Simpson. Like, but like, 
I can't imagine how like the older generation is looking at this. I can't like if this was like Emmett Smith today, like if Emmett Smith did all of this stuff or like, you know, whoever, Barry Sanders or whoever, like, you know, I, I would be blown away. Like, holy crap. Like, Barry yeah, is the man. I, I think um, well, two points. I I don't even know football. I think honestly, this would be like, God forbid. You know, but if like Shaq or Charles Barkley did something like that, or got accused yeah. of doing something like that, because mm-hmm. like it's the football career, it's a pro sport career, but then it's you're so relevant and in that, you're in commercials and OJ was commercials and TV or Monday Night Football movies, so it's like yeah. you're everywhere anyway. Like like Shaq is still like in all these commercials, like, like he's been retired for a, a decade almost now. Yeah. Pretty and much. you still see him. Barkley's been retired for over two and you always see like these guys are in, they're probably some of the most popular names in in sports and don't play anymore. Like that's what OJ, you know, was. And, and I can tell you growing up for me, Jose, the, for my dad and, and, you know, his like brother and cousins who were his age, like group, like generation. And then my grandpa and my grandpa's brothers, like my uncles, the bait was always the three man race for best running back ever. You had a Jim Brown camp. You had an OJ camp was probably the second biggest. And then third was like a Walter Payton camp. But yeah. a lot of people, OJ now, unless I'm going to be honest, he gets knocked on the all time, like running back list. Mm-hmm. It's a, prejudice because of what happened post his career but a lot of people they're true about it who know the game he's a top five running back to this day of all time yeah I'm glad you brought that up it was a good segue to kind of what I wanted to touch on too like this first episode did a pretty good job of showing how great of a player he was you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. for a lot of people again like our generation who didn't obviously we didn't see him play he retired in 79 but you know People just think, oh, okay, OJ, OJ, OJ. Like, no, like he was an amazing, an amazing player, Hall of Fame running back. You know what I mean? He was the best running back in the league for a long time. You know, he was playing in Buffalo. He would have been playing some else. I was thinking too, if, he, if they had free agency back then, he would have not been in Buffalo for no, too, no, too long. No. You know, he would have been looking for, again, you know, limelights, like big, big city, you know, again, because he was kind of ahead of his curve when it comes to that. And, but yeah, you're exactly right. Like he's he is one of the best. And I, I was sitting there watching all these highlights and, and looking up some stuff. And I was trying to like compare like a running back that I've watched play, you know, to him. And it's it's just, it's hard to find that comparison. Like mm-hmm. I was thinking like Adrian Peterson because he was a big guy, but Adrian Peterson didn't move like OJ moved. You no. know, he had speed, he had moves. Like it, it was it was hard to find somebody to compare him. Um. And for those, I think this episode can hit to not just the sports fans, but even those who aren't. Running back is traditionally you're of a shorter stature, you know. Yep. Five eight, five nine, five ten. OJ was he's legit six two. You yeah. don't you don't see a lot of tall running backs, you know. You have like Jim Brown, OJ, Eric Dickerson, but like traditionally they're not tall. So for him to be, but usually if you're that tall and and you big, you're a bruiser, kind of. Yeah. But OJ was – he's up there with a Barry Sanders, a Gale Sayers. I mean, when you watch OJ, he's he, – either the clips at USC, the Buffalo clips, he's gliding. Yeah. I mean, it's like, like he's on ice skates and everyone else is just stuck in the mud. Like, it's, it's, it's incredible to watch. Like, it really is. Like, his, his highlight package 
to me, is one of the all-time greats. Like, it is just fun to watch OJ. Yeah, and then they did a good job on – I forget who it was that was talking about that. And they, they used the same term that you just used. Like, he looked like he was gliding because, again, like, to kind of add to what Jeremy was talking about, like, you know, why they want running backs, they don't want them too tall because they don't want them standing straight up to go through the hole because that's, that's not what you want a running back to do. You want somebody with low center gravity. Like, you know, it's hard to find in the hole, et cetera, et cetera. And, and you were right. Like, and, and they were talking about how his feet barely left the ground. And then once he hit that stride and those knees started picking up, it wasn't too many guys catching him from behind. And he was an All-American track runner, like, he he was a great, great, great athlete, man, and an amazing running back. Mm-hmm. Let me um this might be it's gonna be a hard question to to answer to talk, but I'm I i want to see what you think about this um real quick. You see that OJ got married at USC to mm-hmm. Marguerite, and that's a name I've always heard. Marguerite, Marguerite. And Marguerite is is a black woman. And we later know he then leaves, gets divorced, and he gets with Nicole, a white woman. And this, like I said, not to put you on the spot, but I mean, I'll, do you think, part of me wonders, even back then, because it's the late 60s, and he's trying to grow, like you said, the brand. He, he got with Marguerite because he knew, he knew, all right, I can't do that yet. I can't go after the, the blonde-haired, blue-eyed woman yet. I'm not there yet. Like, so he, he married someone because he knew, like, that's especially in 1966, 67, 68. It's, it's still, it's barely legal. Yeah. You know, but you see years later when he meets her, like, Nicole, like, in, you know, 1979, 1980. By that point, OJ is, he, the brand is there. He's, he's a superstar. Um, and part of me just always wondered that, and it kind of reiterated today, like, did he really ever love Marguerite? Did he do that just to keep an image and to pacify it? And then, because it wasn't, you know, like the documentary said, he was never, he always traveling, always on the road, never was home. And it seemed like as soon as he could, boom, he, you know, got rid of her. Like they said, he lost a child, a child drowned. And it was like, I didn't know that about him, honestly, until my first time watching. I knew, because I've studied him a lot, like for the trial, I knew he had four children. I didn't know he had another child who had died and drowned. And uh, the one friend of, she, I, she, she was a friend of like Marguerite's, but then became friends with Nicole, said like he got rid of that memory, that child, when he got rid of that yeah. first wife. And I don't know, maybe it's a hard question to answer, but part of me even thinks that like, if he could have, at USC, married a, a popular USC cheerleader, a white girl, he would have done it, but he knew he couldn't. Yeah, I, I, it's probably, it probably was calculated. Like, I wouldn't put it past them. You know, you know what, what I mean? I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah, it probably was very calculated and, you know, try to portray like the good, wholesome family, you know, with, you know, the African American wife, two kids now, like later on. And, you know, I, hey, I, I, I wouldn't put it past them because, you know, he cheated on Marguerite with Nicole. Like, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? They met and he wasn't divorced yet. And it's, uh, it's, it can be possible. Like, again, I, with this guy, I wouldn't put anything past him. You no. know what I mean? And, and, and you're exactly right. Like, 
But what I was thinking too, like they were talking about Nicole Brown was was eighteen years old when mm-hmm. he met her, and he was at that point thirty two, like yeah, something uh, like that, yeah, like yeah, twenty nine to thirty two. One of those, yeah. I forget which one. Yeah, I I don't know. I I I don't know how guys can do that. Like yeah, <laughs> just, yeah. That's 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 uh, I guess another show. But um, <laughs> yeah, like you you might be right with that. You know what I mean? That's kind of a good observation because. You know, like you said, at this point, he's just retired. You know, he's trying to build that. Now he's trying to become like that businessman, you know, um, that he wanted probably the token, you know what I mean? Like the the, the trophy wife to mm-hmm. go along with that. And, and he got her, you know what I'm saying? And that's what he did. Because um, Robert Lipsight tells the story. You know, you mentioned like what Harry Edwards said, because Harry Edwards was leading you know, the infamous boycott of the 68 Olympics. And we know what happened in Mexico City. was yeah. legendary. Um, 68 with John Carlos and Tommy Smith. And the, they, you know, had the fist. And people now start, but the, the hell that they got afterwards, you know, um, for doing that. And, you know, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Luau Sindor, boycotted, did not play on the 68 Olympic basketball team. And, OJ wanted no part of that, but Robert Lipsight talks about, you know, OJ being at a table at some like banquet, and he's at a table with a lot of black people, and somebody white called, you know, said, "Look at why, look at OJ there with all those niggers," and Robert Lipsight's like, "Oh, that's awful," and OJ said, "No, it's not. She <laughs> doesn't see me. She's I'm just OJ," and you hear that where it's like that to me, you can't. You can't be naive and do that. That's calculated. Yeah. That is a plan in place to do it. So that's where I'm like, no, this guy knew what, like, he very well knew because to do this, like, you have to calculate, all right, I'm a black man in San Francisco, grown up poor. I'm really good at football. I want to get out of here. I want to be famous. And I know who holds the cards to that. It's white America. How can I get in there? What do I have to do? And and that's not someone who's naive to the situation. That's they're very aware and they're making a conscious choice to say, nope, I'm not with you. Yeah, and it, he, again, and they've talked about it later on in this episode and later on in episode two. Um, I think it was Joe, his friend, his buddy Joe Bell, or old friend, um, when he when he was mentioning it and how they like OJ was always on, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. like quote unquote on when he was around, you know, like the the, the white individuals or the businessman, he was always on. But then when he was around, you know, African American people, he was just regular old OJ, and like it, that's I don't know that that has to be very tiring, you know what I mean. But it looks like and it seemed like from everything that you hear, that's you're right, that's exactly what he wanted to do, and and it goes back for me, it goes back to like. You know him growing up the way he grew up, and and then later on, Joe Bell, the, him, they were having a conversation, and OJ asked him, "Oh, would you ever go back to you know to the projects?" You know, and Joe Bell was like, "Absolutely!" Like you know, and then it, I started thinking, like you know, he's talking shit about OJ for not wanting to do that. You know what I mean? Like, and mm-hmm. I don't, maybe I misunderstood. Maybe I don't know if he meant just to. I, I thought he meant it as to like live down there. You know what I mean? Like I don't knock OJ for not wanting to live down there. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, 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 not at all. You know what I mean? But now if he's talking about like giving back or, 
you know, just going back to the community. I think it was. A, that's it was, a different story. Because they all – Joe Bell made it to the NFL. Mm-hmm. Al Callings, they all were grew up together, high school, for, and OJ. And obviously, OJ, career-wise, had the best career by far out of those three. But uh, OJ asked, could you go back? And so Joe Bell's like, yeah, you know. And I think Joe Bell was saying, like, from what I'm interpreting, this is fleeting. Like, he knows, like, it's good yeah. to have money, but he knew because they were at uh, – they were. that was, like, one of the first times you hear Robert Kardashian mention. Yeah. And they were at Robert Kardashian's house, like, playing tennis. And he knew, like, those got Robert Kardashian, it's what he's – you know, Robert Kardashian wound up showing he was a very loyal friend to OJ later on. We'll get to that. But um, – he Joe Bell knew that a lot of those guys just had interest because oh you play football and you you know you're a star and we can make money with you and we you know hey we can glam up next to a football star male ego but he knew that they didn't like Joe Bell for Joe Bell they didn't like OJ yeah. or AC for them they liked him because you're a football star now we'll accept you you can come to our country club you can hang out here but if they were just Joe Bell or OJ from the San Francisco projects, they would probably have been like, get the hell out of here. So, yeah. I, so that's what I got that like, he could go back because this is fleeting. Like if, if the money goes and the house goes, it was fleeting. And for OJ, he couldn't, but I, I do see what you're saying. Like, you know, no one wants to go back. I don't think Joe yeah. Bell would have, they said, all right, we'll go back. He would have been like, I'm doing it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like I, but that's what I kind of got. It was like, could you yeah, that, go back? That makes more sense. Yeah, because, again, at first, I was like, when I first heard it, you know, and, again, I, I've seen this documentary a couple of times, and when I first heard it, I was like, hmm, like, yeah, I don't knock them for not wanting to go back. But then, yeah, that's a good way to explain it. Um, No, but then, you know, you were talking about – we were talking about his career and stuff like that. Like, you know, I was they were talking about his 68 season, the year he won the Heisman. And he, he had an amazing season. But one thing that stood out to me, 350 carries. Yeah. Damn, that's a lot of carries, man. That's workhorse, workhorse, man. Uh, John John McKay is infamous. Yeah. He, he liked that that power eye. And he, I mean, USC became tailback U. And yeah. it starts – it's really you look at Mike Garrett was like kind of like the first – and then OJ, but Mike Garrett and OJ really started that tailback U that we let her see Charles White, Marcus Allen, um, all these guys who later came through there. But uh, yeah, definitely they gave the ball to OJ. They highlighted John McKay said, We're going to ride this young man to the promised land. And they did. And you're right. That That's, I, I feel like Derrick Henry at Alabama has something similar. Yeah which I thought was crazy. I didn't like that. I mean, Derrick Henry's showing that he's fighting the odds there, but I'm like, you're going to wear this guy out before they get to the pros, you know? Yeah. Well, college football is a business. And these guys yeah, that's true. Keep, Very these true. guys got to keep their job. Very true. It is a business. Absolutely. Even back then we see it was a business. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I thought it was, it was interesting to see. I wonder how you feel how he was talked about as a teammate at Buffalo. Yes. yes. And... Go ahead. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, no, no. I, it's I, all good. I, I, did, I did find that super interesting. Because it's like the locker room is where 
you know, we know when the media, you're in front of a press conference or you're at a, a charity event for kids or those team activities, training camp. But, like, the locker room, people kind of let their, their hair down. Mm-hmm. And you would think, okay, we, we kind of know, we see the later on things with OJ, narcissistic, very selfish, but a selfless teammate, uh, a guy who, who thanked, constantly thanked his offensive lineman for blocking for him. Which is not something that even to this day you don't always see, but really, you know, when he, you know, which I still think maybe probably the most impressive rushing season that seventy three, you know, two thousand and three yards in fourteen games, um, and said, "I want the whole offense." That was cool in that little locker room. And you're right; I thought the same thing. Like right on, that's cool, and and gave props to every one of them, even. You know, the quarterback, you know, he didn't throw out of passes this year, but, you know. Throwing six passes a game. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> but gave props to him and gave all those guys gold watches, and we did it. And put not – he didn't put two – which I thought – I'll be honest, Jose, I, I probably would have put we all did it, 2003. Yeah. He put the combined rushing yards for everyone. Which I know Eric Dickerson, when he broke, which he still has, single season record, he got his O lineman like rings, but he put his number, like 2,100 mm-hmm. and whatever. He didn't do that. So I'm like, that's really cool. And those teammates, those who played with him in Buffalo in the 70s, I mean, we're going on now, you know, 40 years later, talk reverently about OJ. Yeah, they, they he seemed like a a great teammate and I, I you're right about the locker room I'm glad you kind of talked about that like that's kind of the place where you just be you you know what I mean like you don't have to especially back then where the media wasn't as big as it is now and you know he they, they I, I you're exactly right like when he put when he brought the whole office not even just not just the offensive line like the whole offense came out and you know how he refused to do the interview without them. I, I thought that was that was awesome. You know, like the, I mean, he gained a lot of respect from those guys, man. And then plus, like he was the whole offense. Mm-hmm. You know, they talked about his first couple of years how he really struggled, and they people thought he was going to be a bust. And because you know they had no the coach, um, I forget the coach's name, but he wasn't a good coach. And you know they brought in McKay, and then you know he starts dealing, he starts getting the offensive line. Starts bringing in offensive line and like younger offensive linemen, and you know that's when they start running with OJ and all this starts to happen. And you know, I, was it the electric, the electric, electric company? company. Yeah. <laughs> they they turn the, on the juice. They turn on the juice. I love yeah. that song. I did. I, I hadn't heard that in a little bit. Like cause electric companies are famous. Like kids, like cartoon. Hey, yeah. you guys, and all that, yeah. which was cool. That they had that in there, but then that song that they made for OJ last year. You know, they turn on the juice. Yeah, they turn, and I, lo- I loved. I, 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 it's corny, but like I was kind of jamming to it. Like it was basic, but well, all right. Because you and, don't hear a lot of offensive line units get a nickname. No, you know what I mean, like no. and that, that's true. I thought, I, I thought that was pretty cool. And you're exactly right. All those guys talked about him like he was the best person in the world. Man, that's that's that says a, that says a lot about him as a teammate. I saw something. Um, the AFL. Like oh Showtime, like it's on YouTube, but like full color history, the history of the AFL. Um, there's like a five part docu series, which is it's a that's amazing as well. So I think people should watch that on the history of the AFL. And I remember Larry King talked about OJ and said 
oh, that teammates always said OJ never had like a, a choice word with a teammate, not an argument. And when there was team problems, either with players and coaches or players amongst themselves, they went to OJ. OJ was the guy who would handle it and settle things down, which is like, it's just like, wow. It, it, it's, it's almost like I've heard it, you know, is it, um, oh, see, how am I blanking out here? But um, the head it, concussions and, and the effects of that. People have CTE. said, there yeah. we go. Thank you. CTE. <laughs> and, um, or sometimes I look at it, I, like multiple person, like he's, it's just like, yeah. It's so many different facets and different people. Like to see what he was, you know, honestly, the behavior we know he did, the, the domestic violence, which we'll get into, and then what he's accused of. It's it's <laughs> like, but this is that guy who's so selfless and, you know, was a what 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 resolve conflicts and keep it cool and bring people together. Like it it doesn't compute. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it is kind of odd to, like, hear stories like that, knowing, obviously, after everything that happened afterwards. And, you know, and then, again, we just touched on his college career and how he, you know, wanted no parts of, you know, like being in with, with you know, with Jim Brown and all those guys. And it, it's just – it is odd that to hear in Buffalo, he was a totally different person pretty much. And, yeah. You know, it, I agree. It is kind of – it is kind of odd. Um, I really think – what always from day one stuck out, which really got me from back in 2016 when I watched it. And this I, this is where I feel you, uh, Jose, watching these first two episodes, because obviously what's going on, you know, I live with it. You live with it every day. Um, but watching the, the officers talk about Daryl Gates and <laughs> then really trying to cover themselves when it comes to incidents with Eula Love, Rodney mm-hmm. King, Latasha Harkins, and really denouncing that there was no racism, and and even uh, Mark Furman, who later on huh. future yeah. episodes will definitely dive into him. When you look at the, they show Rodney King getting beat, and he said, "You know why that happened? Took away the chokehold." And I wanted that. <laughs> I got so mad, Jose. Yeah, because I'm yeah. like. Okay, so no chokehold. So that's why they beat him with with a pulp and tased him and all had their nightsticks clubbing him. But they had the chokehold. Oh, we don't have to do that. And I'm like, what an idiot. Yeah. You know, I'll get to the future episodes of how I really feel about him. You know, Um, but it's just I got sickened and I wanted to show everyone, every cop who says that's not what happens and blah, blah, blah. This is what you're doing here. You're defending. So even though you say, okay, I didn't do it, or I, you know, they all kind of cringe, like, even a couple yeah. of them, like, yeah, I didn't, you know, that's not the pre- proper procedure, but that's not what it, most people don't do, they, the excuses and the looking the other way. That's the problem with society. That's the problem with policing. It's that middle ground, and don't call that me. Don't say it's me. That's, that's this guy over here. And I, but then you're protecting, you're backing yeah. it up, and that's the problem. And that's what got me mad was every time a cop, and it did four years ago, a cop came on the screen trying to defend their tactics and defend everything. It was enraging, and you saw they talked about what happened 
after the Rodney kick, everyone, it was a regular night. Yeah, and that's that's what people look. Being a police officer, I understand it has to be a very it's a very hard job. It, like, I I I I don't know. I don't know if I can be a police officer because I was just I'm too nice, whatever. <laughs> but mm-hmm. um, what really really gets me upset, you know what I mean? I don't even know if it's angry. It might be angry, like hurt, like maybe both combined. I don't know. But when you always hear like, oh, well, not all cops are bad cops which that's obviously true, right? Like, but my kind of rebuttal to that is to me, you're a bad cop. If you know that's going on and you don't say nothing. Exactly. Like to, like to, like to me, and I know to a lot of people I know, um, I'm sure maybe to uh, fewer listeners, they kind of agree with that, hopefully. And because that, like, that's, you're doing the same thing then pretty much. Like you're condoning it. And, and you're exactly right. Like when they were, when those cops came on and, and at this point we're on episode two, like that's kind of like how this starts. Like, you know, it talks about the relationship with the LAPD against different communities, right? Again, against, it talks about quote unquote, like in the hood. And it talks about in all those like bougie areas where, you know, all these celebrities live at and, you know, where a, a, like a man, a police officer comes to somebody's house the wife is jumping out of the bushes full of mud with no shirt on and sweatpants where OJ comes out and the cop goes, go ahead inside and get dressed and then we can go. Like, all right. like if this was, if OJ Simpson was in South Central, that officer would have pulled his gun out on him and he would have had to get arrested right there. It's just like the differences in, in how people are treated like only because where you live. You know what I mean? And they mm-hmm. were talking about like Operation Hammer and you know, that they arrested 3,000 people in one month, 1,400 over one weekend. Like, that is insane numbers, you know. Yeah. And, and I, I, you know, and that's L.A. I mean, L.A., they were trying to crack down on the gang violence and stuff like that. But that's, you don't, that's unheard of. Like, that's that's systematic racism right there at its best. You want to give these people, you want to put something on their record so that way, God forbid, they get pulled over or something else happens or they try to get a job or whatever happens, this is on there. It's like, that's, that's it's infuriating and this is where i was starting like my, my blood was starting to boil yeah this episode uh the, the one cop mike i forget his last name there's a few cops so i'll definitely be you know tom lang jerk but like <laughs> so many but like even i he talked about the everyone knows who daryl gates was and what yeah. he did and okay if you want to say he did some positive thing but to me he brought up the dare program and i'm like <laughs> He did some good things. He brought this in and gave that and the dare and like the dare program, the numbers, everything shows how that didn't do anything. Yeah. It, it really just say no hurt so many people. Yeah. And I'm like, that's how ignorant you are that you're saying that's a good thing he did. He brought in dare. And I'm like, no, like I can't tell you, Jose, how many outside of Phil growing up, people who were the like I knew, I knew of who were selling drugs. But put dare like bumper stickers a license on their car. plates or yeah. license plates, yeah, yeah, and got like part off their car insurance. Yeah, you know, and I'm like, this is the biggest joke. I've heard of stories of guys who. This is stories I've heard. I don't know. This yeah, is true. I'm yep. not incriminating myself, but like who were selling drugs, who would get their license plates so that way the police wouldn't pull them over as much. Exactly. Like, it's just it's, you got to work the system, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but it's like he, he's so ignorant to me. 
that's to me very obvious in today and even okay 2016 or they were filming in 2015 even at that point like dare doesn't do anything it doesn't work nah. it doesn't help but to go on there and say that's one of his positives the chief daryl gates he introduced dare i'm like jesus like how <laughs> like just how terrible like i'm like you don't know what you're talking about and that's like the problem like you just you don't know and you're so trying to because they know that even to this day the reputation in la always was bad but post rodney king if you know the cops who got you know, there's a police force that gets ridiculed the most or made fun of is lapd and that's the effect of rodney king so like them trying to cover up, it, it just really that sickened me a lot. Like it just, and I'm like, all of those guys are retired now, and I'm like, you don't have to keep this up here. Like you're not on the force anymore. You're retired. Yeah. You yeah. can be honest. Doesn't mean that you did it, but hey, yeah, we had problems there. I don't know. It just bothered me. No, and and it's funny how they, you know, when they talked about the LAPD, how they was the best law enforcement in the country. It was they were so proud to be you know, joining it. And, you know, they were talking about how their fathers, like Bill Parker was recruiting police officers in Klan rallies. Like, Mm -hmm. like it's, 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 it's been going on for a long time. And, you know, and they were, they were interviewing the, the reporter who was talking about, he had just moved into Los Angeles. Sylvester. Yeah. He had just moved into Los Angeles. And, you know, the first thing, he was told by somebody, his friend of his, he was like, don't fuck with the LAPD. <laughs> like, yeah. That's scary stuff, man. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's scary stuff. No, it's, um, I, I, I used to, at my last job, he was, this guy was a director of a different department, but he's, he's a black man. Um, he served in Vietnam, but he was a cop for a lot of years. And I used to, you know, always go in, cause he had a lot of stories, obviously, you know, he's, probably like 70 now. Um, but a lot of stories. And I remember I went to his office. I, I, you know, I, as we both are, love history and, and past to the present. And he was a Philly cop under Rizzo. And hmm. I remember he said he was at a, at a, like a, a big, like a training convention and Rizzo came and he was commissioner and he spoke and he said, I don't care what anyone says, we're the baddest gang in this city. And that always stood out to me. And that's where I'm like, yeah, like you don't know when you see it, you don't know who, who, who's the good guys, who's the bad guys, supposedly. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and that's the mindset. It's, it's not about protecting and serving. It is that it's a turf war. And we look at, oh, Crips and Bloods, but really the turf war, especially at that point, it's, no, oh, this is LAPD's turf. And yeah. not in a way of like, oh, we're cleaning up the streets. No, we're making it worse we're the baddest gang in this city. Like, that's why I look at it. You say, who was badder in the 80s, Crips or Bloods? I'd say neither. LAPD's the baddest gang. You know? And like, I think they would say that shit, too. Yeah. You know? They, the, the LAPD was, was it was, and I'm sure it still is, like, notorious, man. Like, they, they, you hear so many stories, so many reports, you read so many, you know, articles, you see so many documentaries on like the corruption and all that stuff. And again, it's not, I'm not here to, you know, uh, this sh- show is not just a shit on the LAPD or, or nothing, but because it's, it's a lot of police departments, by the way. Most and, of them. Yeah. And it, it's just what this episode did was just put it all into like, like it just, it just showed how a community after one incident on 39th and Dalton 
and then the next incident, you know, with Rodney King, and then with La- Latasha Harlan like being shot at the convenience store in the in the back when they were saying that she was trying to steal something when she obviously she wasn't. That video shows that she wasn't. <clears throat> Excuse me. They got into an argument and she threw a few things. The, the Asian lady, I forget her name, but she did the same thing. They were going back and forth. As soon as she turned around, she shot her and got five years of probation. Like, and it, it's like so you had the one thing, and then you had the Rodney King thing, where people are boiling now. Then you had that, and then now they're still boiling, and this community is ready to erupt. And they're like, all right, well, at least you know these officers are going to be put away for what they did to Rodney King. And then, you know, none of them are, you know, are found guilty. And then now you have a community who's so frustrated with all everything that's been going on. And then that just, they just put them overboard, man. And that's why you get, you know, not the watch riots. Now you get the LA riots. And now it's just, and I remember when that happened, man. And I was just like, holy shit. Like, you know, I, I didn't think something like that can happen, but it happened, man, and yeah. I wasn't. I wasn't mad. You know what I mean? Like it, it's just, it's really sad, man. To be honest with you, like it's, it's. You can get angry. It's easy to get angry, man. But it's really sad to know that, like, a community. It's just, it's just so deflating, man. Like I, I lived in those communities where it's just like, you know what? Like, it doesn't even matter. And then they wonder why people give up, and they wonder why people like. It's just it's it's crazy, man. It's sad. It's sad, and and you're right. People don't want to understand that, and then don't want to see. I know people are in today. You know, keep it to 2020. In the past month, people are starting to at least, I guess, some are opening or like trying to like before they're not as quick to be defensive. I still feel like it's very defensive, but they're they're not as quick, or maybe this whole racism and privilege thing is real. Like, you know, you're kind of getting that vibe, but it shows like, like just these examples. I mean, when can you justify your being three, you shoot someone in the back on video camera, by the way, but like justify yeah. that your life's in danger. You shot this. And, and, and the, the one lady in the documentary said it like, she's a child. Like my yeah. daughter's the same. You shot a child in the back and you can justify that and that judge can justify it and say you know we're going to give you five years probation and 400 hours community service what a joke and that is you know carl douglas said it like you don't live in that community so then you dehumanize and and that's a and he's right Mm -hmm. but that's a big thing because you cannot live in a community and maybe there's a disconnect but it's a different from a disconnect to dehumanize and that is exactly what happens, though, when people look at those communities. They dehumanize it. And it's, yeah, and it's sad. You're right. It, it, it is sad, man. And it's just – and I get it, man. Some people who never really had to deal with that, like – and if you, if, you're don't, if you don't know, then you don't know, right? Like, it's, it's – like, I can't sit here and, and, and talk shit about somebody who's never really had to live like that, right? Like, that – have to deal with police officers and and not because you're doing something wrong it's just because in the environment that you live in it's just they automatically assume that you're doing something wrong like just by the way you look by the way you dress by the way you may speak it's just automatically they're just geared and and programmed to assume that every you know you're doing something wrong you know what i mean and you know to grow up like that and and to to live in an environment 
where that's always around you 24 seven. Like that's all, you know, and you know, then they wonder why when you see clips of, you know, it was like a year ago where a man was two years ago, excuse me, where in Philadelphia, a man barricaded himself and he was shooting when they came to serve a warning, he started shooting all the police officers. And obviously I'm not, condoning that or nothing right. but when the police officers were walking through the neighborhood the neighbors were like yelling at the police officers and saying things to them and i remember seeing it on social media and people were like oh my god like how can you treat police officers like that and like when you get treated 364 days out of the year the way you do sometimes the way these police officers some of these police officers treat the community that's what you're going to get that one day and it's like if i understand that if you don't if you don't, if you never lived through that, then I, I can understand you thinking like that. But don't knock the people that are doing it because if you don't know, like you can't really have a, an opinion on that. Jose, it's so bad. I can speak on my experiences where the cops have been called and I'm the victim in a circumstance <laughs> and I get harassed. The yeah. victim gets harassed. The person who is, hey, I make the, the for one of them, I made the call. Another one, the call was made. And then I get lip and harassed, and I'm like, "Whoa!" I, uh, the one you know was a, a a hit and run, and my car gets like complete. It's parked at my friend's house. It gets completely destroyed, and then I'm trying to you know call insurance, and then the cop says, "You better get out here right now." And then the cop, I'm like, "Okay." And I call the cop. Uh, he's like, "Give me lip. What took you so long?" And I'm like, "This is my car." My yeah. front seat or my back seat is now my trunk's in my front seat. Like <laughs> my car is done. Like wh- why? Why do I'm I'm the one who had this done to me? Why are you giving me attitude? And they're like, "Well, you'll go handle this and get rid of it." And I had to like go call a tow company and like get rid of in front of my friend's house like my car that's like destroyed. And I'm like, "Man, they ain't, they ain't do nothing." They're just like, "Well, it happened. We probably won't." They told me probably won't find anybody. And then Jose said, if you hear something, let us know. Like, I got to do your job for you? Like, yeah. and I'm like, whatever, man. Well, well, give me attitude. I'm like, all right, yeah. man. Like, and yeah, it's no, happened so many I, times. Just Yeah, I agree. I, I, I agree, man. I didn't mean to cut you off. I agree, though, because, you know, I have family members who are police officers. I have a guy I grew up with. He's a police officer now. I think he's been on the force for like two or three years, maybe. Um, and I love these people, you know what I mean? And I'm not going to, but my experiences with police officers have, have not been good experiences. Not because, like you said, not because maybe some things I did, I was doing wrong, but some, some of the times I was not, you know what I mean? A lot of the times I was not, I'll say it like that. And just like you, like I've had instances where, you know, I've called the police and oh, I need you to come here to the house, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, immediate like what happens it's like i get something wrong and i'm just then you get put in a nervous state why are you so nervous and it's just like it's just not a good experience for for where i grew up i'll just put it that way and i'm not going to generalize it but it just where i grew up is just it's hard to trust a police officer you know what i mean and and even now today like i don't live where I grew up at. I live in a much better neighborhood, a beautiful neighborhood, I say, you know, um, and still, like, I was pulled over one day, and, you know, I was wrong. I, was, I ran a red light, and, well, it was yellow, but it was whatever, and, um, 
and he, you know, I he pulled me over, and he was super polite. He was really nice. Once he found out that I lived down the street, and then he, you know, he let me go. But even then, I was like, oh my god, like you know what I mean? Like what's yeah. gonna happen here? And it's just. I'm still programmed that way. No, I, I've told many people before. I've told them since you know what happened with George Floyd. When I've gotten pulled over, um, and it's happened once or twice when I was driving and and um, you know I was going like 35 and a 25. A ticket is not on my mind. Yeah, I'm about just. Are they going to try to do something? They're going to pin something on me. Are they going to try to say I did something and then shoot me? You know, I, I like I, like I said, the one time other black people pulled over to watch and like they, they I don't know those people. Yeah, but they knew I've done that. I'm going to pull over and watch because I look I know what area we're in and I know what someone's thinking. I know what driving with black is. So I'm going to pull over and just make sure I'm a witness that nothing goes down like and that's the experience that a lot of people like, oh, no, I don't think about that. I get pulled over. It's about the ticket. Yeah, no, the ticket don't mean anything to me. Ticket's like, okay, fine. It's, <laughs> it's like, am I going to come out of here alive? And you're right. It's your heart drops. You're, you are scared because you are helpless. And you're in situations where you should not be helpless. Yeah. Um, it, it was just really something. And to me, it shows. And I think... I, I want to recommend, especially, and maybe definitely these first two, ep- maybe you could go to episode three once we rewatch it, I'll see. But these first two episodes, I want to tell people, hey, add this to the list of documentaries and books you're reading. Watch these episodes. Because you can hear the venom in a lot of police officers now. Yeah. You know, the venom. No, they're, they're not racist. How can you call the guys who beat on Rodney King racist? And I'm like, wow, are you serious? And, and and you see those officers on trial, and I felt if he get up, he would take my gun and my life. And I'm like, are you serious? Like, and I see, I know what happened. I've watched the Rodney King case and broken it down, but it's like you done beat him down, and then he's if he get he's gonna overpower you with all the support you have and take your gun, your life's on the line. Like, come on, man. Yeah, and then they throw out the. Um... The one line I feel like police officers always throw out: the guy was high on PCP. You know, he's <laughs> he's 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 so much stronger. You know, people who are on PCP, like once you know you inject that drug and you whatever, like you become you know superhuman. And that's I've heard that numerous times when you know in like police brutality cases, it's like that's like their go-to line because people go, oh well, if that's the case, then. You know, the guy was speeding and he was high on drugs. You gotta like kind of use force like that and beat him with an inch of his life. Yeah, no, not eight of your. It was more than four. You know what I mean? And Mm -hmm. and no, I don't care what he was high on. You know what I mean? They saw that they were trying to, you know, talk about George Floyd. He was high and on PCP, and no, like it doesn't fucking matter. Like you don't treat human being like that. Now, don't get me wrong, man. Sometimes you run across people where. They are going nuts. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, and and sometimes you know what you gotta grab them. You gotta do whatever you gotta do. Like, but once you once they're down, like you don't four, three other four other guys don't have to continuously switch take turns on like beating them. And but I I compare it like the difference from going nuts even and life threatening because there's plenty of people who go nuts, but they they bring them down, but they don't have to kill them. 
Yeah. You know, there's uh, it, to me, I look at it like this. There's a difference. I've I've had to learn this, and I I even now tell like you know at my job like people I work patients I'm working with like no 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 I know we have male ego and male pride. All right, someone called you a name or calls out your family's name. That doesn't mean that you have to fight. The difference of you have to fight, or someone insulted you and then you really got mad and wanted to fight. Am I asking the difference from assault or self defense? Like, you, someone could be acting. Now, Ronnie King, Case, or George Lloyd, they weren't acting crazy, but you can look at there's plenty of times you've seen it where people are acting crazy and they get put down and, and yeah. handcuffed and, and maced and whatever. They're not killed for it. And that's, I go back to that Carl Douglas line. You don't know them, you don't live in that neighborhood, so you dehumanize them. And that's what it's been forever, dehumanizing. And and I guess to, to bring it back to OJ, that's what he saw. You can't tell me otherwise. And he made these choices. And, I mean, I'm going to give Ezra Edelman a lot of credit because in episode two, I mean, I remember laughing at it, honestly, like when I saw it four years ago. But talk about just trying to be so clean cut and trying to be so – Please be comfortable with me, white America. Like when he's yeah. tap dancing with that little white girl, I was like, <laughs> "Come on, man!" Like, like, and it, it, it was a good like f- film wise. It was good because it's a good like dichotomy. You see, like yeah. the racial pres- the police brutality in L.A. at the time, and then O.J. Simpson. He's just tap dancing, and yeah, I'm like, "Oh God!" And like, yeah, doing magic tricks. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, "Come on, man!" Yeah, I think they he, he did do a great great job with that, and I. Like he would show what the reality was, uh, and and then he would they were just panned back to OJ, and he's like doing some stupid shit, like you know what I mean, mm-hmm. like like terribly in a movie that with no acting skills, or you know, like you said, doing the tap dance thing and magic trick with the parrot, and it, he was trying really hard, you know what I mean, and, and and you can see that, and you know he was being he was successful, he was. Starting to become successful in business. Yeah, a couple of I think it was like Hampton Inns or something like that. He was Ramada and Ramada and Honey Baked Ham. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> heard stuff like, you know, RC Cola, you know, at the time and like but he was he was really trying hard, man. And and, and that's almost sad to see too. Like, you know what I mean? Like just be yourself and and again, I go back to the Harry Edwards quote, Dr. Harry Edwards quote when he was saying, I can't believe like he lived like that for so long. Like, how can how can a human being do that to themselves? And whew, I don't know. You always told like put the mask on, right? Like, I've all I remember always being told that put the mask on. You go to work, you put your mask on. If you're not having a good day, like, you know, just try to keep a smile on your face. But man, like to live your life like that, because you can do that at work and go home, like, oh, like, and then just kind of unwind a little bit. And but to live your life like that, I I, I couldn't do it. That would no. I would go crazy. And and what happened was to me i think episode two shows that what happened to a lot of people but oj in specific you see the rise and you see him having to placate it and you see him having to be like oh boy the, the plan is coming together not just the football but the mm-hmm. the, the superstardom the really wanting to be a, an industry titan and in business and movies whatever like that's coming together and then what happened, he started believing it. The act then became yep. reality. And you start seeing it because 
I, I'll say these two things, Jose. You start seeing the mistreatment in episode two of Nicole, and he's doing yeah. it in these – it's not – I wouldn't say public, but, like, they're out on, like, business trips. But, like, yeah. these these older – in the movie, these friends are saying, like, they saw OJ snap on Nicole and mistreat her and everything like that. And to me, that was showing signs of he's now – He's he's too comfortable, if that makes sense. He's too com- now. He thinks he thinks he's accepted. He thinks he's mm-hmm. one of, if that makes sense. Yeah, like if he's above like every every other like African American individual. Like no matter what I do, I'm OJ Simpson, and uh, everything's going to be all right and whatever. Like they were saying, like he was like not only he was like really full of himself, but he thought he was above the law. Like you know. You know, when they, the first incident that was, they report, like, not they report, but the documentary goes to was, you know, like, the January 1st, like, the New Year's Eve of 89, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But you hear when she was talking to the police officer, they've been called to the house eight times prior. Like, and then every time the police come over, they, they just talk to OJ and everything is all right. And, you know, they leave and then the nightmare continues for her. You know what I'm saying? Like, what this episode did was, and, and, again, I'm glad you brought it up. It was just... You know, I mean, there's no way you can't bring it up, right? It's just like domestic violence piece. Like, it's it's a very touchy subject, and it's, you know, hard to talk about, but this is a big part of the story. And Mm -hmm. um, episode two does a great job on kind of putting it all out there. Listen, You listen to the 911, like, calls, which are really hard to listen to. Um, You see all the photos she had, and, you know, it... It's just hard to watch, man. It's hard to see that. But again, you can't tell this story without having that part of it, and without having putting that part out in front. And they did a, he did a good job with that, man. Yeah, because I think just like you know, the country the past, you know, like going on a month has been talking about the systemic racism, and that everyone has a part in that. Even if you're like, oh, I never did that by if you don't fight against it, you have a part in allowing it in our society. And that's the same with domestic abuse and domestic violence. You see that everyone, OJ did it. It's his actions, but then everyone has a part. You know, the police have society. Those friends who are in this documentary who saw that and just turned their head and didn't say, yo, man, that's wrong. That's messed up, man. Like, everyone turned their heads and society all has a part in it. And that's one thing you hear. It takes a village to raise a child and, you know, we all, but it's so true. And I think people take it for granted. Everyone had a part in that. Everyone. And my heart for a lot of reasons will go out to Nicole for that, because if I'm her, no different than we talked about the black community. Why would, there's no reason to trust the police she has that. There's no reason to go. People yeah. say, well, you should have got out. She called eight times and nothing happened. So to me, it's like, yeah, demoralized. She's on her own. She's on, she gets no help. He's too powerful. You know, the police won't do anything. Family, that said it there. Family has a part in that. Yeah, her absolutely. family. Like, he was, the, he was the money man. So go along with it. Don't upset the money guy. She felt trapped probably you know I, and my i'm not in her shoes i'm not in anyone's shoes with domestic violence and and my heart goes out to it and i have empathy but i'll never fully understand it 
But you just look at that, and it's like, man, the society failed her with that. Oh, absolutely. And then it was very calculated to me what he did as well. Like, not only she didn't, you know, she wasn't employed. She didn't need to work. You know, she had, I'm not going to say she didn't have any hobbies, but they talked about how she loved photography. And, you know, she got back to it once they split up. So to me, that says, you know, she wasn't really doing it while they were together. And, you know, and you just mentioned it, like, you know, he was supporting her family, you know what I mean? Not just the immediate family, him, his wife, the kids, but maybe she was, he was supporting her father and sister. And like, you know, he put a whole, he, he, his money, he put like a circle around them. You know what I mean? Like, so he knew that if he left, the whole family was going down and, you know, and they talked about it in this episode, like, you know, she was, really torn from like leaving him or if she did that like you know how many other people it would affect and that's again to me that's very systematic man he was he was he yeah that was his part of his plan i think man he was very like sinister like that i don't know like mm-hmm. to have that control and it constantly talked about control and control and you're exactly right like not only the police failed her society as a whole failed there because you know back then you know, if something like that happens, that has to stay within the house or stay within the family. And, you know, people kind of mind their business with that stuff. Like her friends failed her. Like, you know what I mean? Like they might have sat in a room and talked to her about it. Like, oh, well, you should leave. But then nothing else happened. You know what I mean? Like, and it's just you're exactly right, man. Like it was just a line of people that failed her to the point where she was just she didn't care anymore. She would call it like that first call. She was like, you just need to come. Like, you know what I yeah, mean? Like, she's, de- just, she's defeated. Yeah, yeah. She's you like, you know his it. record. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's 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 like I listened to those calls were were tough, you know what I mean? Because it was just obviously you know what happened later on and you know what I mean, but it's just like she was trying to get the help and she was not getting the help. And then you hear like people being interviewed the same where she was calling me saying saying nothing was going on, everything was okay, and that's just the another like trait almost mm-hmm. of of women who are suffering you know domestic violence like they always try to cover it up and it's just whew, again it's 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 sad it is it is it, it, it is i tell people this documentary highlights so many of the problems that are in this country that have been in this country it's 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 so much more, I tell people, than like just the O.J. Simpson trial. It, it's yeah. such a case study in personalities, a case study in celebrity, a case study in fame and, and money and versus poor, police, the justice system, celebrity. It, 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 it's, it's just so you can see it. It's, it's uh, like you said, it's sad, it's angering, it's, it's fascinating because it still happens. It's still going on. Um, I, I took, you know what I got from this too? Like watching these first two episodes, you see like the people who are like his quote unquote friends and they're, and they're talking about taking him to the this country club and taking him mm-hmm. here and doing that. And it was almost like you hear it is all these many years later after the trial. So like, you know, they're, they're not friends with him after that. Yeah. But it's like, there's not, like a hurt like my friend like my friend fooled me it was to me and this is my interpretation i don't know how you feel it was more like 
we let this guy in. We let I'm <laughs> saying we let this black we took this black guy to our country club, and yeah. he he made everyone feel like the, like the guy who the CEO of Hertz. Everyone, yeah. he just fit in with everybody, and and everyone liked him. And I didn't. He really this black guy bamboozled me. Like you know, it's almost <laughs> like that's where it's not like my friend. Like you know what I mean? Like because my yeah. heart. Well, when I see stories like. Like, you know, true crime stories and, like, the guy who committed the act and, like, their family were like, we didn't see this coming. And, like, sometimes I think, like, yeah, that would stink. Like, we, if you don't see it coming, someone you're close to, your friend, your family, you love them, and they pull some, like, heinous crime. But you, when you hear it, it's not – it's more of, like, how, how did we not see it or did we see it and missed it or did we see it and we're blind to it? With this, it didn't sound like that, in my opinion. It was more of we let him in. How could he betray us by doing this? We let him in, you know? Yeah, the only one I got that from a little bit was his agent, Mike Gilbert. And he, yeah. He, 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 he was talking with a lot of emotion. Like, even when he talked about OJ and Nicole, like, it was a lot of emotion there. And, you know, I, I felt that from him. But you're exactly right. Like, all these other celebrity friends, like, then you can sit there and say he was a good friend of yours because you hung out, your families went on vacation, whatever. But, you know, like at the end of the day, like they treated him uh, at the end, especially they treated him like who they probably thought he always was. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And, and and you, the real friends were like the like Robert Kardashians, like those guys, like who stuck with him no matter what. And you can see those were his friends. But you know, all those other people, man, they're just fake friends, I guess. No, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I will say this. Uh... I mean, we could probably we could go all night about it, but one of the it's not a lot of like. There's funny where it's like, man, OJ's just a clown. But the one like comedic story to me was what Joe Bell said when they were in. You know, I'm going back to the episode one. They were in high school, and Joe Bell, OJ, Al Callings are shooting crap in the uh, in the bathroom, and the 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 football coach walks in and busts them. Yeah. And all three of them, he's walking them down to the principal office, and OJ is the third in line. So then the football coach just opens up the principal's door and was like, I caught these three, you know, messing around in the bathroom, and he turns away. And then so OJ, all three of them go in, and OJ turns away. The principal's like, OJ, where are you going? He was like, oh, I was just helping coach so-and-so bring these guys down to the principal's <laughs> office, yeah. you know, and I'm going to go back to class. And the principal, okay, OJ. And I'm like, I ain't gonna lie. I have seen this many times, but I'm like, yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty smart. That's pretty smooth. Like on the on the fly to think of that. Like that's pretty good. And it always makes me laugh a little bit. Like I'm like, that's, that's pretty sharp to think of that like that. And like, okay, yeah. Well, that goes back to like the the hustler mentality. Like the get the gab. Like all these people were saying. And like, you know, he can get out of. And they were mentioning it again. Going back to episode one, they were mentioning it when he was in kid or in high school whatever or in college like anytime there was trouble he really wasn't the type to you know get into fights and stuff like that he was always trying to talk his way out of stuff and again later on in his life like that he's the same way you know what I mean and always trying to talk his way he was talking his way out of the trouble with the police like he was always talking his way out of stuff and you know that just showed right there like what was to come I guess mm-hmm. it really was I mean and you're right, AC, Al Cowings is the one who said it in episode one. 
and the story that always perplexed me because AC was was with OJ through and through, through everything, and the fact that Marguerite was AC's girlfriend, and OJ stole his best friend's girlfriend. Yeah, and everybody's laughing at that, and I was just like... It's kind of like not cool. Yeah. Like, you don't do shit like that. <laughs> no, but then it's so bad. Like you have to kind of look at AC, and you're like, because yeah. then you hear like AC was mad. He was shoving the car when he saw it and stuff. But then, not too much longer after that, you see the three of them hanging out, and AC is the third wheel, and and just hanging out with OJ and his former girlfriend. And <laughs> you know, AC probably was. In their wedding when they got married and was hanging around then and stuff. So I'm like, you look at AC, like, well, why would you, what's, what's okay then about that in staying best friends with this guy afterwards? I know we taught people, you know, forgiveness, but forgiveness doesn't mean that you got to hang out with somebody again. Like, that's not what it means. <laughs> so I'm like, I, I look at OJ and they, you know, it shows a track record of gift of gab, like you said, hustler and conning, but. I look at AC too. Yeah, I look at all these guys, man. Like with like a side eye, almost like because it is it's I mean, it's easy to get it caught up, I guess, in the celebrity status and you know where he can get you in, and you know they were talking about you know them going places and he didn't even have tickets, and he was just they did that motion over the face, like you know my face would get me in there and. You know, I guess they were all caught up in that, but at that time, that was it was none of that. You know what I mean? They were all players on the high school team, and yeah, I, I was listening to that story, and I was like, I don't know. For me, as a friend, like that would just show me right there, like this dude's a scumbag. I can't trust him. I'm I'm cool. Like right. you know what I mean? Like it's just there, there are certain things you just don't do. And even though I get it's high school, like it's not like these relationships are all serious, like for the most part, anyway. And but you just don't do that, not to your best friend, a, friend, yeah. a, a supposed best friend. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I did want to ask you, because I remember when I was first watching this four years ago, when episode two with the, uh, the Marcus Allen situation, mm. and that uh, allegedly Marcus Allen, for those non-sports fans, but Hall of Fame running back, played in the 80s, um, after OJ, but OJ was like a mentor to him. You know, they both went to USC and had that connection. Um, but apparently, Nicole was in love with Marcus, and that they kind of, especially once they were separated and all that, like Marcus was around Nicole and Nicole around Marcus, and to get OJ jealous and to do all those kind of things. And uh, Marcus, I guess, I don't, I don't know if it's a civil trial. They show in episode two, he, he denies it. Yeah. He, and I wonder, did, before this, had, had, did you ever hear about that or hear rumors? I I heard, like, I've, I don't know where I read this at, but I have read that they, like, that it was told that, you know, she had an affair with Marcus Allen. But it's just... I go to a quote again, and you talked about he was low key the MVP of the of the first two episodes. Um, this is friend Joe Bell, and he was saying like you're breaking the laws of God, like you know what I'm saying, like mm-hmm. for all the stuff he was doing, this will come back to you. And it's just for me, it's just 
what goes around comes around. You know, I'm a I'm a very firm believer in that, like karma and all that. Like what you put out, you will get written in return. And, right. You know, again, this is a high school thing that him and uh, AC were going through, but you know, it's I think it's a little different from uh, a wife and you know family and all that. But you know, if you put that energy out there in in, in the world, man, you're going to get it back, and that's what happened with him. And he became super jealous and. You know, and that was like the big issue with him and Nicole. And again, I'll go back to like the age difference. You know, she was young, she was beautiful. He's getting older, limping around. You know what I mean? Like it's just, you know, they were mentioning it. Like Marcus Allen was the younger, maybe better version of OJ, and you know, she was like in love with it. And they had pictures of them two hanging out, and so you know, it was a thing. You know what I mean? She, you saw her diary that she was writing about him, and you know, it, it was a, definitely a thing, man. And and. Again, I, I have read about it and, and even going to like that's like the way this documentary did. But when I saw that, I was like, oh yeah, I did. I, I, I do remember that. I, I remember uh, when I when episode two back in 2016 premiered. That's what jumped out to me. And I'll be honest, at that point, I have Twitter, but now I'm more you know when I when I, something big happens, let's go to Twitter and see what people are saying. But at that point, I wasn't doing it. But that night, I was just like, are anyone else like? We'll talk about this because it was just blowing me away. And then at the they really dropped the bomb and ended with the Marcus Allen thing. I remember going online on Twitter and just reading like, whoa, Marcus Allen. I remember like Jamel Hill, like Marcus Allen, whoa, like, you know, yeah. all that stuff. But then someone put a reference that blew me away, which was that, hey, Slim Shady Eminem called this back in the day. And on the on one of the songs on his first on the Slim Shady yeah. LP – he makes a reference to Marcus Allen getting with Nicole. And I was like, yo, Marshall Mathers was okay. Calling this. <laughs> I was like, give us some inside, inside reporting there. Cause I, and I looked up the song and I'm like, yeah, he makes a reference to it. He does. They were like hanging out going to, yeah. I, yeah. Like they were waiting in the house or something. Him as Marcus Allen. I, mm-hmm. I do remember the song. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. Like, cause I'll be honest until I, four years ago, I did not know that about the Marcus Allen, Nicole, and I think you you hit it dead on. It it, it comes around, and, and Joe Bell said it, breaking the laws of God. And, you know, you took your best friend's girl, but boom. You know, Marcus Allen I, was in O.J. and Nicole's wedding. Yeah, he got married at O.J.'s house. Right, Marcus right. Marcus Allen, yeah. Right. So, not, and, you know, Marcus Allen denies it, as we saw. So, I'm not, it's allegedly, you know, I don't have proof, but it doesn't make it right. If Marcus Allen did do it, it doesn't make it right. But it, you are right, I feel, in that it comes around, that that behavior, the stuff you put out into the universe comes back. I mean, it's allegedly, but they, it, they yeah. show the picture of him with, like, her over his shoulder. Yeah. It, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, gun to my head, I'm a bet. I'm not a bet man. I'm a bet man, I think that happened. But I, I'm going to try to just keep it, you know, allegedly, because he, he yeah. I'm pretty sure he was – like I don't know, it's a civil suit, but like he denied it. I think in like yeah. a legal way. Like so, that's why I'm like, if truth, they really well, could a, prove it. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I mean, if it's you still, he's still on their oath. I'm assuming. Right. Yeah. So and yeah, he denied it. The video shows he denied it. So that's why I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll say alleged, <laughs> but I, I think you did. I think you did something. How many times? How whatever? I don't know, but I. If all he gave was carry, you know, joking around carrying her on his shoulders in that picture, 
I would lose a lot of money if that's all that ever happens. I'm gonna yeah. say that, just being honest. Um, and 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 you heard like, like they were talking about this, and he was saying OJ was saying, "Yeah, I don't want you around him." So I don't know. No, but Jose, anything else you wanna? I mean, that I I'm glad we're I'm, I know I I was really pushed, but I'm glad we're you were down to do these because I think it's just. Um, I think these are important. These are important. The topics, these episodes, this documentary, and this time period, especially, it, it, it's important. Yeah, no, I I agree, and it, it just—it's crazy how history repeat, repeats itself, and and you've seen it in these two first episodes, and you can kind of relate it to like what's going on right now in the world, and you know when they talked about Watts riots, and that was sixty-five. Right, and mm-hmm. then, you know, you go and then you, this behavior continues, continues, and continues, and then you had ninety-two LA riots, and then, you know, there was more stuff that happened in between ninety-two and and you know, obviously twenty-twenty, but the storyline is still pretty much the same. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, and and it's it's, you know, if you if you were the type of person who thought like this was an isolated incident with, you know, what was going on with George Floyd. And, and, you know, again, we can rattle off a bunch of other names as well. Um, it's not, you know what I mean? And, right. and these, in these first two episodes, especially the second one will show you that. And that's, again, that's, this is just in one city. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. this is not, they're not talking about across the country. And, you know, this, again, this is a sports podcast we love talking sports you know you guys love listening to sports and but this is you know it's this started all all started with sports like oj simpson became oj simpson because his play on the field and you know i i just again this documentary is so good man it just it it dives into so many things and some of these things are are tough to talk about but they have to be talked about yeah to, to tell his full story and it they did such an amazing job with this documentary almost painting that picture and putting you around this time it just it was pretty cool but then again like I like I mentioned earlier at the beginning when we started the episode I, it just brought everything back to me like you know what I'm saying like those frustrations and the anger and the sadness and and all of that but again I highly recommend watching this and seeing for yourself and, and just kind of it's almost like a research piece like you know you can look at whoops back then until today and you know even with the athletes with like guys like LeBron and you know a bunch of other guys who are you know Kaepernick who are fighting the cause you know what I mean like it was athletes doing it way before you know what I'm saying and it's just it's pretty cool to see that part of it no I think you're right man well well said uh it is it is a sports podcast and like you said OJ this was an ESPN production and and it talks about so much and, you know, it talks about his football career, but it talks about a lot of things. And, you know, it, sports is definitely weaved into it. And I think we'll continue when we break down, you know, for the next couple of weeks, this show or this docuseries. But, you know, sports, I think, always has reflected life. And, and also there are things at times, you know, people – there's always that debate the past few years. ESPN is talking about too much stuff and getting too political. And I think we see now, I always felt that then, but like um, 
no, you have to talk about this stuff. This stuff intertwines and it's too, it hits close, too close to home for everybody Mm -hmm. to ignore it. And that's the problem. And we love talking about sports and we always will be talking about sports, but this connects, this connects. And to me, it's important where people still probably want to say, well, why do athletes get involved and just do, you know, play your sport and you see like, I'd rather have an athlete be involved and care than we see the opposite effect, and that was O.J. Simpson. Yeah, and then you can see what happens with someone who prefers fame and stardom over his true self. Right. And, you know, you can never forget. All I kept thinking about throughout these first two episodes, you can't forget where you came from. You right. Know? And, and it is easy that when you get that success, again, I'm I'm not one who had that success. I don't Me think neither. you have either. Me neither. That I know of, you know, and – is I can't imagine like being that famous and stuff, but you know I always feel like you always got to stay true to yourself, and and he obviously didn't do that. So again, these first two episodes will dive right into that. So I, I highly recommend. Right, right, and um, next week we'll be doing episodes three and four, and then the week after we'll we'll do five and like a conclusion wrap up. Um, Jose, the podcast, though, before we end, has some big news. Uh, you want to drop it? What happened over the weekend with? Yeah, for sure, man. Um, as some of you may already know, but we are on social media. We are on Twitter at in the zone 20201. Um, please, you know, hit us up on Twitter. If you have any ideas for the show, any comments on what you're hearing uh, from this episode or any other episode, um, Please let us know. Um, jump on there. You can rate us on there. You can review. You can debate if you want. That's perfectly fine too. We're always up for that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, hit us up. We'll put we'll, we'll we'll upload episodes on there each week as soon as they're on. Um, and again, you'll see us jump on with other topics. You know that's going around going around the you know the leagues and the world. And but yeah, please hit us up. You know, like whatever, follow. Um, yeah, it's very excited, man. We're yeah. Facebook page is coming. All that's coming. So, but for right now, we're definitely on Twitter. Please let us up. No, I'm. I'm. I'm just want to say, Jose, I appreciate you. You know, yeah, putting up the the, the Twitter page this past weekend, and I'm excited because I think um, I love doing this show. I love doing it with you, and I, and I think it's uh, it's cool. Like, you know, I was talking to somebody the other week who's in like the podcast uh, business, and he said it. I was like, yeah, you know, our George Floyd episode had, you know. 40 something likes after like a week, you know, listens. And he was like, well, that's good. I go, no, I'm, I'm very proud and happy. And he was like, just, he's like, I tell people just imagine like, you know, you're doing a live show. He's like, you know, pre pandemic, but if 40 something people came to like, see you and Jose do a live like podcast show, you'd be pretty excited. You'd be hyped. I go, absolutely. And I, I, I told him, I'm not going to put words in Jose's mouth, but I'm, pretty sure he feels the same way like you know to me what just one listening is like really cool i love doing it you know we talk yeah. this stuff off the air way before we even did a podcast so it's all exciting and it's exciting to really share it with the world something that i'm proud to be associated with you doing yeah for sure absolutely man I, and i appreciate that and and yeah i mean you know 47 30 like I, it's all great you know what I mean? Like we're, we're starting this off. We appreciate everyone that listens. Um, but yeah, we are trying to grow this and we are growing little by little, you know, I've seen people and I've shared it with you, Jeremy, and, you know, people shouting this out on their own personal social media pages, you know, on Instagram and stuff like that. And 
that's really good to see, man. And it's just like people that, you know, watch and, and appreciate sports to, you know, people who do not. And, you know, I, I, we appreciate all the love, seriously. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we're going to keep putting out the content for you. And, you know, thank you guys for listening to this episode, one and two of OJ Made in America. If you have on demand, go on their ESPN on demand. You'll see it's because it's not the FX series. This is ESPN's OJ Made in America. I know there's around that time a lot of people were getting confused. It's not the people versus OJ on FX, not the Cuba Gooden Jr. Yeah, he's not in this one. No, no. This one, and that was good. This one is even way better, though. So you can find it on demand under ESPN you know, series and shows and movies. Like, you'll see OJ Made in America. And if you have the ESPN Plus app, you can also find it, OJ Made in America. You can, you know, you want to kind of watch these along with us if you haven't seen it in a while. Or for those who haven't seen it, OJ Made in America. So we did episodes one and two this week, and we'll do three and four for you next week. But, Jose, always a pleasure, my man. Yeah, great job, brother. Thank you. Yeah, and so uh, you guys take care and have a good night. Peace.